Hello, everyone. This is John Massari, and I'm on the Rude Horror Podcast. This is hosted by the very eloquent Marcus Rude. The park's closed. I'll have to ask you to leave. Everybody, you're listening and watching the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Rude, and today I have a special guest with me today, Mr. John Masari, the composer for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's an honor to have you on here, John. How are you doing? I'm doing really fine, and and thank you for that great intro because I didn't know I did a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> well, uh, like uh, you did. Uh, a bunch of like scoring for like Disney commercials, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I didn't know that you did uh, the music for Retro Puppet Master. Yes, I got the honor to be in part of part of that um, that whole world that I, I was frankly it was kind of unaware of. You know, I, I really didn't know that uh, it existed. Um, well, I did know that it existed because I saw part of one of the movies, but a friend of mine was directing that particular one and specifically recommended me and wanted me to work with him on that uh, on that particular movie, and I was very happy to be part of it. That would be Dave Dakota. So uh, okay. that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. That was uh, it was quite an experience. And if anyone and you can look up the liner notes, uh, it was quite an adventure. Uh, because uh, it's interesting working with Full Moon Pictures. I had never worked with a company like Full Moon, and I don't know if I'll ever will work for another company like Full Moon again. But it was really interesting. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of your time talking about that particular story. But if someone wants to look into it, it's pretty interesting, and it might show up. Who knows? It might show up. Someone might put it as a trivia thing on um, on IMDb. Um, so, sure. So. Yeah, and you're not taking up much of my time. I uh, I actually like the Puppet Master series. So, if you have some stories with that, sure. by all means. Well, they're not pretty stories. 
Okay. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, they're not pretty stories. Basically, um, I they had they they were on the corner of Sunset and Vine, right there in Hollywood, and they had the top floor of the Broadway building. And uh, my friend, wonderful friend, um, Dave Dakota said, you know, just uh, here's the movie, here's here's the deal, and just start, you know, working on it, and which is what I did, but I didn't realize that he was going to a different, um, a different uh, uh, production, like immediately. So as finished as soon as he finished shooting, and he got a, an edited version of Retro Puppet Master put together, he left for Europe, and I was wondering why I couldn't get any my calls answered by him, and I realized why. Is because he was out of out of town, so um, it was very interesting because I had never gone to the office. I'd only talked to someone on the phone, and I could never get an email returned. But I did get uh, at one meeting and with the music director, who gave me a um, three quarter inch video of the film. Because back then, it was at the time where making a quick time was kind of a big deal. And so you actually had a piece of hardware um, that ran, you played the movie on the uh, three-quarter inch video. The three-quarter inch video is sunk up to the computer with some other hardware and software and would run the computer program. So that's how I would chase the music with the picture is with this, you know, I had a, a toggle switch. And uh, it was a wonderful machine, a wonderful heavy-duty Sony, and I just kept that thing running so well. And when finally, when the day that uh, M uh, MP4s and QuickTimes were easy to make, I retired that piece of equipment. And um, but, anyways, uh, so I go home, start working on the movie, and it has no sound. Like I can't hear the dialogue. I have not a clue what people are saying. I was never given a script, so I don't have. I didn't really have an idea what the movie was. So I'm looking at it like a silent film. So I put messages in to the powers that be, I, and I could just never get through the sound department. I could never get through to the music director, and I had a 20-day uh, window to to deliver everything. Uh, I should say when I initially went there. I felt like it was the old days of Hollywood. Like when I say Hollywood old days, not the old days of like silent film. I'm talking about before then of like vaudeville. Because you had wow. in the lobby, there was a line out the lobby to get into the to the main reception library, I mean, reception area that was full of people, people with puppets, people with models, there were magicians. There were people there that, that, that were hoping just to show up and audition to do anything with Full Moon. And I thought to myself, boy, am I, am I so, I'm so blessed that I'm actually working here. Anyways, I, I could not get in. The, the, the reception, I told receptionists I had an appointment to meet the music director for a movie that I'm working on with them. And she was looking at me as if I was yet... <laughs> among the unwashed masses that were auditioning for anything. And I go, no, I'm actually working on something, and I have an appointment at 2 o'clock, and it's like one fifty now. says, well, who is it again? It's this guy. Okay, well, we'll see. So finally, I got in. 
and uh, had to go in throughout. But the phone, uh, the getting a phone call through is very similar. They they screen you as if like, you know, you're an invader from a foreign country or something. So, anyways, <laughs> on the fifteenth day, it was in July of I think nineteen either two thousand or nineteen ninety nine. It's a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I get a call on the fifteenth, a very angry call from I think the the head of the post production Sam. And he says, were you ever thinking of delivering anything? And I go, thank God I got someone on the phone. Yeah, I have three quarters of the movie done. Who the hell do I give it to? So they had this older way of submitting. um, uh, Well, excuse me. It's old by today's standards. We used to, now we deliver audio files. Back back then you delivered physical media. And so there was this uh, thing called a a TAC DA-88 and it was a cassette. It looked like a, a tiny VHS machine, and it was 8-track digital. And you put all your tracks on that, and that's what you deliver. So from the computer, it goes into this machine, and it delivers to them. And I, I had, and that's it. I didn't hear anything from them. I delivered. Everything went through. All the administrative stuff went through, and nothing i go by the way is it working do you guys have any problems i mean anything i can help you with nothing went in i hadn't even a clue that it was even finished until i i happened to see it in in the video store one day this is when there were still video stores by the way that Mm -hmm. that you can actually you can actually rent both a vhs and a dvd back in, 19, in 1999 going to 2000 so anyways that's my that's my story of retro puppet master it was a completely fun movie to do i had a lot of fun with it um my favorite part of the movie was the opening title because they featured super super extreme close-up of the uh, retro of the puppet um of the puppet dolls carved in wood and you can tell that they were very meticulously fashioned and all that so to me that was that was fascinating. So that kicked me off. That kind of like set the pace for the rest of the uh, movie. Right on. Yeah, that one was definitely a, a interesting entry into the series. Yeah, it was. And you can hear the soundtrack. I believe it's on my SoundCloud. I believe there are excerpts. Um, and the entire soundtrack is available. Uh, I, I the record label escapes my memory at the moment, but uh, it, you can, anyone listening to this can contact me, and I can give you a link to how to procure a CD of that or a digital download. Right? Yeah, I uh, I was trying to to look for that online. I I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, uh, it's on uh, eBay. They sell them on eBay. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely have to check that out sometime um yeah i had a well yeah i got a a few questions here okay not not to stir away from puppet master Uh, stir Uh, all you want it's your show (laughs) um was there a composer who inspired you to be a composer Uh, oh you know what um there that's a, a very good question because there's not there's not just one um there is i mean gosh what composer did i meet in person that really impressed me um well when i started in the business uh well after i finished school 
right. Uh, I, I was admiring of many film composers, and I sent them, either I called them, I actually, I was in the musicians union at the time, this is like I was probably like 20 or 21 years old, I had the musicians book, you know, contact book, it was like a little tiny phone book that they publish every year, and you could actually call Henry Mancini's house. I mean, someone would answer the phone, whether he would talk to you or not is, a, is another thing. But who's going to think of calling Henry Mancini? So I must have called probably 20 plus composers that I that were working at the time. And one of them that two of them answered the my phone call and agreed to meet me in person was Bill Conti. And if you don't know who Bill Conti is, if you know the Rocky TV series, Rocky movie series, uh, the Right Stuff, um, The Karate Kid, so that's the composer. And he also, at the time I met him, he was working on one of the James Bond movies. He agreed to meet me in person, just be a like a mentor, just kind of like telling me, okay, this is what you don't want to do. This is what you do want to do. And this is, of course, after listening to some music. So they realized that, okay, it looks like you're getting into this. You might as well get some good information. The second person was Mark Snow, who uh, you probably know for um, the uh, Scully and Muller. I'm forgetting the name of the TV series. Um, um, <clears throat> it was about the FBI. They're always uh, investigating UFOs. It was on. Oh, like, X Files. X Files. Okay, so he later on went to do the X Files, and I ended up actually working with him on uh, a TV series he had called Heart to Heart at the time. There was also another composer who was, gosh, in his 80s, that he also answered my phone call. Now, you also have to understand, I was getting a refer referral for some of these people. Some people I would just call, and I just could not get through and get to meet them and talk to them to save my life. They, they just literally, you know, they have the answering machine going or they have someone at their house answering, screening their calls, and it's just not going to go through. So there was another guy, his name was um, David Rose, and uh, David Rose did Little House on the Prairie. So I learned a lot from him. And uh, then there was another guy that he accepted my phone call and agreed to meet me. And I worked with him a little bit. And he was he was a pretty big deal. He had done a lot of Clint Eastwood movies, um, Sam Peckinpah movies. He was an Academy Award nominated composer. His name was Jerry Fielding. And I worked with him for about a year and then unfortunately passed away. But do I have... A, Composer that I can point to and I can say listening to that composer made me want to write music I, I really it's it's like a whole big picture. I've been listening to music since I was a, a little boy and I you could not tear me away from a radio and I had been listening to all kinds of music. We, we lived we used to live in Orange County and we lived not too far from Knott's Berry Farm and they had this thing called um, uh, they, they had a a theater in the round that looked like um, you were in a wagon train and the wagon train had stopped in a circle and they had a campfire and you and in the middle was a, a, a stage in the round and I there used to be some very big country act that used to play I saw Dolly Parton I saw there's a, a group called the Sons of the Pioneers there was um, Buck Owens there was um, 
very famous uh, guitar player plays with not Mark Knopfler later on um, that I, I could see at arm's length, you know, I mean, just like I could see them right there. And to see someone that's such a professional that they are the instrument, whether they're singing or they're playing, that really made a, a big impression on me, you know. Um, Chet Atkins was the guitar player. Come think of it. I should have a fact checker uh, when I <laughs> so they can because sometimes I I choke on names. I remember once I was talking about Lohengrin and the, uh, the the Ring operas, and and I forgot I forgot the name of Richard Wagner. I just completely choked on it. a friend of mine sat there on a piece of paper wrote oh it's Wagner, <laughs> just like a really big name you know that should be right. on the tip of my tongue. But in any event. Uh, so that made a big impression on me. Um, I've always loved the music of Burt Backrack, and I got to meet him in person eventually. Um, but then I used to like, I, I loved Isaac Hayes. I loved Frank Zappa, you know. So it's mm -hmm. like a mixture. Everyone does something different, you know. Uh, everything, everyone brings something different to the table, a different perspective. And... Um, so, uh, you know, that and then there's music, musicians I've never met, will never meet because they're all dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's Anton Bruckner. There is uh, uh, there's Arnold Bax. I mean, I can go on and on with, through the through the um, um, through the alphabet, picking out names. So I mm -hmm. discovered this composer named Lily Boulanger. Spelled B O U L A N G E R. She lived a very short life from like the 1983 to 1918. And she wrote some, a, a volume of gorgeous music. She's a, a French impressionist, basically. And um, she had horrible health problems, but, and she died very young. But she has just uh, this marvelous collection of music that I've been, I just discovered probably about six months ago. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's always you're, you're always like looking, you know, if you're in a certain uh, field, you're always looking for the past, the present, and the future. Sorry to right. give you such a complicated question, just a complicated explanation for such a simple question. Yeah, I know it's that. That's why we're here to to uh, you know go on with these questions and sure and. Uh, it's you never know. as simple. It's never as simple as like, oh, I heard this one thing, and then that was the end of it. You know, it's always something different. You know, it's always, right. it's always a variety. It's a mixture. You know, right? Yeah, it's not just one thing. There's a mixture of different types of music. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you just incorporate, you know, all different kinds of sounds, not just one specific genre or. Right. You know, yeah, it's very cool. Um, and this, this kind of goes into my next question I had. Do you have any favorite horror film soundtracks? Well, yes, I do. And, um, <clears throat> and it, it's interesting because it, uh, I think part of the score was written by um, uh, Wendy Carlos, who at the time was called something else. I think it was... Hector Con Carlos, but anyway, so it's Wendy Carlos and um, a variety of different music, like um, 
um, uh, Ligeti and also um, the uh, Symphony Fantastique uh, by Hector Berlioz, and that would be The Shining. Oh, okay. To me, The Shining is an absolute masterpiece. If you're going to define horror, that was it. Because you don't know, you know, you, you just don't know at what point something is uh, uh, fantasy and in reality. Because my grandmother always, I, I used to watch vampire movies, my, and I'd be scared. My grandmother says, listen, you don't have to worry about people in the cemetery. They're not going to bother you. It's the people walking around this earth that are going to bother you. So our main character had some some mental instabilities that made him, a, untreated, made him a very dangerous person. But then on top of it, there's this surreal world that we don't know if it just exists in his mind or if it's for real. It's like the little boy has the, 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 the gift of The Shining where he can see in different dimensions and what have you. You know, uh, and gosh... Stephen King is such a brilliant genius. See, so you, oh, you just, oh, sure. you know, I mean, you know, you figure when you when you make a Stephen make a movie from a Stephen King novel, it's almost like a no brainer because he's giving you the skeleton. You know, if you if you see the skeletal structure of let's say a a sculpture like a clay sculpture, you know, it's they take some wire and you see, okay, good, I could, that's a basic form of what this is going to be. But when you see the human skeleton. How detailed and well crafted and engineered it has become over the millions of years. Mm -hmm. It's like that. It's like um, uh, Stephen King provides such a great foundation to build a film from. And it's just a matter of great craftsmanship and creativity to realize it, to make it a cinema experience. So that would be, that would be on it's tough to find something that can that can actually beat that. That's like way at the top of my list. And then, uh, then I have friends that I, I'm, I, I know I'm showing favoritism, but just about <laughs> everything that Christopher Young does is absolutely brilliant. I mean, uh, his later horror movies is, are very interesting because he's delved, delved into different forms of expression. For instance, there's um, like found sounds uh, that was developed like in the 40s and 50s um, by Karl Heinz Stockhausen, who basically took sounds uh, of instrument sounds that he would find in nature, in his environment, and put them on tape and manipulate the tape in such a way where he came up with these incredible sounds. Um, Christopher Young has employed that uh, concept or technique, if you want to call it, uh, to some of his horror films to, to great... Um, for great results. I mean, it's just it's just fantastic. Mm. Uh, but uh, I also like the work of uh, Joseph Bashara because he works really well in the uh, acoustic mediums of, of uh, altered instruments. Like a piano just won't be just a piano, but it will be... Um, uh, the structure of the piano will be altered in such a way that when you play it, it makes otherworldly sounds. Um, mm. Uh, I've worked with Bear McCreary on one horror film, and that was a lot of fun. And it's just really weird because we work so hard on these. And then some, some movies you work on, and the the uh, producer and director put the music right up here in everyone's face. 
other directors kind of like melted into the movie where it's kind of like this cloud. <laughs> so the movie that we worked together on that was so definitive and so cool kind of became a cloud. But it was a lot of fun. The, it, it, that was the whole thing is that the experience was really um, fun to work on. And um, uh, Bear is so fun to work with because he has such a faith in every movie that he's worked working on. Just, you know, this has to be a masterpiece. We, I really want to make this movie look great, you know, uh, and sound great. And I go, fantastic. And so, um, and the only reason why I got worked with him is because the director kept saying something, well, we, we, we need that uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space sound. And so Bear McCreary says, well, I know the guy. I know him. He's a friend of mine. We could get the guy <laughs> to do the killer clown stuff. But I ended up doing so much more. There was basically just one thing that had to be like killer clowns. And you can hear that soundtrack. It's on Sparks and Shadows label. And that's download. That's available for a download also. So uh, so there you go. I, I think that, that, covers, that covers it. Um, right on. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned The Shining because I had literally just watched that the other night. Mm -hmm. And uh, just because I, I haven't seen Doctor Sleep yet, so I was like, well, I'm going to revisit The Shining just to right. kind of get 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 my bearings back for that story. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it is a really good movie. And uh, and I had uh, listened to the audiobook of The Shining before uh, watching the movie. And... Uh, it's uh you know it, it's uh i don't know if you've read the book or not but it's is that like a nine is that one of his books that are 900 pages it, it's it's pretty long yeah i think uh i no, i think it was the um um uh, the one that takes place in prison not the green mile no the green mile i think was a 900 page book yeah yeah that one yeah. that one is pretty long yeah so the shining is pretty long and you read the book yeah. Yeah, and uh, Kubrick does take bits and pieces of the novel, so I can kind of see why Stephen King wasn't really a big fan of Kubrick's, mm -hmm. because uh, you know some some of the key parts were different. Like the ending mm -hmm. is totally different from the book. Mm -hmm. and, well, leave it leave it up to Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> to right. Right. Are there plans to do a uh, faithful interpretation from the novel? Uh, well, I, I haven't watched it yet, but apparently the the miniseries from the 90s was supposed to be faithful to the book. Oh, okay. I should check that out. And uh, that one was directed by Mick Garris. Oh, yeah. I know Mick Garris. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he directed... Uh, and I think Stephen King had a pretty big part with that. You know, he kind of told Mick what he wanted and uh and whatnot i mean apparently it you know wasn't as big and you know as big as uh kubrick's film but uh but apparently that one's more faithful to the book isn't there a hulu series uh that takes place in um stephen king's next neck of the woods uh, thomas newman does the score to it um castle rock yes now i understand now steve uh Stephen King's like has a hand in producing that, correct? Yeah. yeah. yeah so that must so. be that is a re, uh, be very honest for, with you. Be I'm dead honest with you. It's a treat for me to be able to sit down and watch a some TV series or something like that. 
because I don't get a chance to do that often. But that is one that I go. I went out of my way to see, and I'm up on. You know, uh, I sure. think the ne- I think the next season's coming out at some point. But um, but uh, I just I just absolutely love that. I love everything about it. The story structure, the production, the casting, music, everything about that is is absolutely splendid yeah yeah i love i love the uh kind of like little little teases or easter eggs where they throw in where they uh kind of do some nods to some of his films or books like misery like some characters yeah right we don't give it away to anyone but no spoiler alerts but there's some characters that come up you go wait a minute that's from this movie that's from that movie yeah right right yeah i kind of like those little nods there yeah um next question what advice would you give for aspiring composers um aspiring composers that want to be in the media business yeah yeah okay well uh be aware that it is a highly 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 competitive business and uh, I will use um, a comparison that even even though you are very good at what you do in your craft, you could be absolutely excellent. You could be the hottest musician, uh, the best composer. You just get the greatest sounds. Everything's wonderful. And then you can find yourself being basically ignored. You know, have to kind of prepare for that. And you want to... Avoid that by being very active in the filmmaking community. I would say that's the biggest thing that you can do. Um, You have to accept rejection, accept that people are not going to understand your music at the first first listening. Uh, Something that you think may be just absolutely wonderful and inspiring and like just driving and so, uh, so awesome. The person that's it's meant to be uh, accepting it doesn't understand it. I mean, you just have to you have to be uh, be aware of that, and you have to be just a, a people person, and you have to be understand that you will be going up against people that are just as good as you and way better all the time, and it's always good to learn from those people. Um, Take the um, the emotion of jealousy and throw it out the window, and accept camaraderie instead. Now there are some people. I mean, I'm not going to mention names, I, and I won't. But there's some composers. I can't be in the same room with them. I just, I, I, I their personalities are such that, um, uh, you know, they're basically borderline apps, borderline antisocial. Mm-hmm. You know. However, they can put the facade on, and this happens in every field. It's not just music. So um, to that effect, that if you do go to school, if you're going to go to college, pay very close attention to your psychology class. Very close. And keep those notes with you all your life because you have to learn how to identify people with uh, behavioral uh, and social pathologies, such as narcissists, 
psychopaths and sociopaths should learn how to do it because every industry doesn't matter where you are there are those people and unfortunately the uh the people with the um psychological um uh, and mental um conditions that i've just mentioned sometimes occupy very high positions uh like some of them are directors some of them are producers and so you have to learn how to either avoid working with those people or learn how to work with those people without getting your own uh you know without having it ruin or interrupting your own life because that could that could definitely happen but um but i would say be tr be true to yourself and try not i mean there's one thing to have influences of other people's music and then there's another people there's another uh aspect of copying you don't want to be copying someone else's style because right. in the long the long run people are going to say well show me something i don't know and uh am i guilty of this of course i am i've had people that told me listen we've temp tracked this movie with this music and you've got to make it sound as close to it as possible and there's one example of a movie I did, and I actually called Chris Young. I Chris, yeah. There's three movies. I'm working on a movie that they they temp track the, the score with three of your other soundtracks, and I'm being asked to basically copy it. He says, "Oh, go ahead." I mean, I had the same problem. Those those scores came from. He mentioned the other five or six scores that his movie was temp tracked, and he had to emulate that. I go, okay, I don't feel so bad now. But uh, <laughs> he says, you got to do what you got to do, you know. Some, some, and sometimes it's just a job, you know. You have um, uh, a company that has a distributor that wants the movie delivered in a certain time, and it's like there's, there's no room for creativity. You know, we're not, we're not creating a different language here. We're making, and it sounds horrible, but he says, we're making something to fill up time on cable television. Literally. So... Mm. Sometimes it's sometimes you do something that's like so wonderful and creative, and then other times it's just a job, you know. You're digging right. a ditch, so to speak, and um, it's still a challenge to do, you know to try to do something like someone else's and get the get the right sound, not only with the composition but with the production. That takes skill. That takes skill and craft to do that. So you may have to do those things and. Um, you know, you got to have a thick skin. It is not for the squeamish. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, you're probably, I don't know if you were expecting me to say, well, practice your scales and make sure you read scores and listen to lots of music, which is also true, you know. But once you right. do that, I mean, because that's basically all on you, you know. I mean, if you want to, you know, you got to be, to be a better person, you got to start with keeping your own life in order. You know, you got to make your own bed. That's easy to do because right. you have control over that. So those are the things you have control over. You have control over practicing. You have control over studying music. What you don't have control over that you have to learn to work with are the other variables. So I hope this isn't sounding too complicated. This is advanced stuff, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and I don't, yeah. I, I don't charge. Like sometimes I have a student from time to time. I don't charge people for lessons i used to get charged for lessons and when i read about a composer around mozart's time 
His name was uh, Antonio Salieri. Uh, he was wrongly uh, depicted in the movie Amadeus. Uh, he had several uh, uh, students. Among them was Beethoven and Franz Liszt. And uh, he didn't believe in charging students to uh, study composition from him or the music business, so to speak, from him. So I kind of do that, too. So I don't mind telling you what I'm telling you this oh, and just awesome. giving the information away. If I can make the world a better place and make it easy for another guy so another guy or girl so they don't have to go through the, make mistakes I made, I think mm. the world will be a better place. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I just thought, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be a composer myself, but I just figured, you know, that'd be a good question for maybe some of my listeners might sure. Uh, appreciate. Sure. Um, uh, well, getting into the next question, mm-hmm. um, obviously, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is a big film for you. Right. Could you maybe uh, talk about how how you or how how it came to be that uh you got to work on that project well um it's like everything else in this business um it's uh, it's interesting because i always say you know you're you're not gonna your career isn't going to be based on finding an ad in the newspaper looking for a composer but this killer clouds can can you i can I can safely say that that's what the origins were. I worked with a producer for a number of years that came across some bad times. Really great guy, really brilliant, well-read, intelligent guy. It's just like, it's the nature of the business. All of a sudden, everything's going around, like going at supersonic speed, then boom, the bottom drops out of everything. And so he found himself without a film company anymore, without an office, without anything. And I had worked for him for a number of years and he we basically bunked out we had we were roommates for a few years and he diligently went to the was reading every day would go to the library was basically planning his next move and sometimes your next move may take a few years there's no such thing as like well you know in a few weeks i'll just find something else to do it doesn't happen like that um if you if you think big sometimes it takes a while to plan things but the secret is diligently working on it every day on a regular basis. So he would go to the library, and one day he came back. Um, he had checked out the uh, – actually, he can't check out magazines, but he took the Variety magazine home because it had an ad in it looking for a composer. There was a guy back east in Washington, D.C. that was doing a, a trailer for his movie to raise – you know, with the hopes of raising money to do the feature. Uh and uh, so I, I answered with a letter and a tape, a cassette. I put it in the mail in an envelope. And I mailed it to this place. And about a month later, the guy calls me. Compared to today, I would just send an email with audio files or a link attached to it, right? It basically, right. instantaneous. This, this process took about a month. So the guy back in Washington, D.C. said, hi, this is John. Sorry, hi. Uh, you answered an ad for my movie um, and uh, movie trailer, and I listened to all the tapes, and me and my friends, we've decided that yours is the best. Uh, or would you be interested if I can send you a tape, a VHS tape? Oh, by nice. The way. 
So uh, I said, sure. Now if someone said, can I send you a VHS tape? I go, I have nowhere to put it. <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to stream it on a site uh so anyways um so the guy sends me the thing and then we talk about it i do his movie we become good friends i'm still friends with him um and um about six months after work, this experience working with him he says you know i i, I there's some friends of mine that are looking for a composer and you know i work with them in dc and they're they're in la now and I don't know, you may not want to do this, but I figured, you know, heck, it's, it'd probably be a pretty nice job. They're fully financed and everything. And I go, okay, good. What's their names? Well, it's their brothers. They're the Kyoto brothers. They do special effects. And you may have seen what they did on uh, Pee-wee's Adventure with the Large March. I go, oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, but they do all, all kinds of animation and stuff. But they're doing a movie. I go, okay, but you may not be interested. And I go, well, what is it? Well, it's kind of like a horror movie. Okay. But then it's like a science fiction movie. And I go, oh. But then it's a comedy. I go, oh, okay. So what's the title? He goes, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you. And I go, well, try me. How bad could it be? Well, I think it's uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That's all I, you know, something like that. But I don't think he even had the title right. It's like uh, Murderous Clowns from Beyond or something. And I go, <laughs> I'm loving this. The more you talk about it, the more I'm loving it. So I got in touch with uh, Stephen Kyoto, and he says, we're going to have a, a screening uh, in uh, in a few weeks. Why don't you come down? And it was at Warner Brothers Studio, and there was probably about like at least, oh, I'd say maybe 50 composers with with their friends, with their plus one. So there's about 100 people in the uh, audience and the uh, music director came up after the screening and i must say when i was watching the movie killer clowns is far more frightening and bizarre without any sound effects and minimal dialogue and no music oh it's actually really bizarre and the whole time i was thinking oh my goodness i i love this movie i just immediately fell in love with it so the music director um his name was bob hunka he later went on to work with Sony Pictures, and um, he said, uh, "You know, all right, we're gonna at the, when you when you leave, you'll pick up a package. Now the VHS tape, and it'll have a, like I think it had a copy of the script. I'm not I'm not 100 positive. I don't know why they would give you a script. Some people wanted a script. I don't know why we want the script. It's the movie's already shot and it's right in front of you. But in any event, some people <laughs> required a script. But anyways, so I took it and they said they said pick a scene and send your demos in and the close off date would you know they gave me a close off date. So I uh, picked the scene that I thought basically was the cornerstone of the movie, where 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 the two uh, kids Mike and Debbie go into the spaceship which is the most gorgeous thing in the world that spaceship yeah. is just so as far as i'm concerned the whole movie could have taken place in the forest with that spaceship yeah, um the imagery was so awesome yeah that that's what it was all about and then after that there was the you know they're in this reactor room and it's like you know then then it comes there's this concept of like oh my goodness they're multi-dimensional it may look small on the outside but that actually they bend space and gravity to the point where they can fit so much in a small space and it becomes a different dimension it's just like 
just completely blew my mind. I mean, it's just like I just totally was loving that whole concept of it. Anyway, so I picked that scene where they march onto the town. And I figured this basically that's the movie. That's like that's the kicks that's the what gets everything going. That's the uh the cornerstone, the keystone of the whole movie. And uh when I saw them marching into the town, I thought to myself, you know that song that I wrote years ago with my band. Uh I had a was in a band uh when I was in high school, it was called Crisis. As a matter of fact, I I just finished hanging out with one of my ex bandmates down here in Long Beach. Um and he's got a room full of amps and guitars. And it was so much fun hanging out with him. But anyways, uh, I'd written that Killer Clowns March years and years before. Like, I was in high school. Like, that's probably 15. And, wow. yeah, and they didn't like it because they said it sounded too jazzy. Because <laughs> we, we were playing, like, uh, uh, you know, Black Sabbath and Bloister Cult and Kiss and... Um, uh, Led Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff. So they just thought that sounded too jazzy. Oh no, no! Now if you really, if you really chunk it, you know, really, they just weren't buying it. So, anyways, of all of all the stuff I did, that was one of the things that they really tuned in on. This is they they love the fact that the music, the chasing in the spaceship was like serious. It wasn't goofy. It was like like legit sounding music, like compositional music. And then when they went to the march. It like that march, that motif so defined the killer clowns that so that's how I got the job. So that was it. Nice. Yeah. So it doesn't always happen like that. It doesn't always happen like that. You can sometimes you can get your way, you, you can get your opportunities based on skill, but then someone can say, Well, you know, we really like what you did. However, Jerry Goldsmith really wants to score this movie. So and he hasn't even done he doesn't even know what he's gonna do, but we just want him to work on it. And things like that have happened to me, where I've gone up right to the edge of like almost signing, and they say, "Sorry, we're going to go with like this brand name here." It's like, Ugh. like they need another big movie to work on. Right, <laughs> and that's just right. that's just that's just the nature of the business, you know. You, I mean, it's happened to me several several times where that has happened uh i've i've been i actually got called in once i'm i'm never gonna you're never gonna get me the name of the composer uh, of that i'm referring to i actually got called in on a movie they wanted me to replace the score because they absolutely hated it but they're contractual they even if they didn't use the score they would have had to pay the composer not only pay his fee but projected royalties for the next so many years he would have to get that money on a regular basis. So it had a beautiful, I go, I want that contract. How can I get a contract like that? So yeah, no it's like, it's like, it's like a, by the way, I heard the score. I had absolutely no problem with it. And I said, can you, do you mind telling me what it is you don't like about it? Because, <laughs> you know, I don't want, because I thought it was absolutely brilliant, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, they, and they had a specific reason. It wasn't just like it was this, because, Yes, he gave us this. That's very beautiful. But this is what we want, not that. And he gave us that. And so um, I started replacing it, and then they realized that uh, they were just flushing money down the down the drain, you know. Wow. So um, so, anyways, that's how Killer Clowns came. I mean, they, I did something. I did something that they really liked, and I fell in love with the movie. Uh, and the Kyoto Brothers saw that I took their movie seriously. And uh, that was that helped build the working relationship. Right on.
Well, what was like the was it like difficult or was it fairly fairly smooth to come up with uh, the unique sound for Killer Clowns? Well, once that scene was established, <clears throat> that basically kicked everything off. So everything had like a you know a consistency to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. From beginning to end, you know. So once that was done. You know, it's just like anything else. When when you have a plan, when you say, okay, we're going to approach things this way, you have a, a lot, you know, and you came, you have your, you know, just about all the themes and motifs that are in that scene appear in different places in the movie, in a variety of different places. So it's like, um, so it's just a matter of composing the scene and manipulating those themes and melodies and motifs and chord sequences to adapt them to the different scenes to bring you to the conclusion of the movie. For sure. So like, like the March mm-hmm. piece was sort of like the blue, like the blueprint. Right. And- That's what you're starting. I mean, if you go back to classical music, it's a very famous example is um, Beethoven's Fifth symphony. It's it's four notes. Okay, that's eight notes, right? Uh, and from that, built four movements of the symphony. Goes on forty some odd minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Uh, so that's it's, so it's basically those nuts and bolts approaches that can get you through a movie, and you hear it all over the place. I mean, if you watch any any. Uh, good uh score even though that doesn't maybe doesn't necessarily have to have a melody they've established a certain like sound you know uh like there's there's some electronica scores that i really like uh dead mouse did one called polar that you could see on netflix and i forgot who did ex machina but that had a that had a really cool score not necessarily a thematic score but it has a certain feel and texture to it that brings the movie together, you know. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, I I don't know if if you'll be able to answer this question, but I'm gonna give it a try. Um, to your knowledge, is there gonna be a new Killer Clowns TV series or a sequel? Well, I don't have a definitive answer for you. Will okay. it ever? Will it ever happen? I, that would be nice. Uh, the people that ask that question to directly would be the intellectual property holder, and okay. the intellectual property holder on that is uh, MGM, and okay. so they're the ones that are going to decide on on the direction and uh, you know if and when a uh, anything will happen. Because it's their project, you know. It's their. Right. It's interesting that um, I think in, up until 1998, Universal Studios owned it, and they handed it off to MGM. And I was just thinking, if Universal Studios still had it, and they did the, you know, the Scare Zone and the Halloween Horror Nights uh, houses, who knows? Maybe they would say, "Oh, you know what? Let's just fire this thing up." who knows what who knows what but uh i can't tell you how fun it was to go to um universal studios in orlando and in hollywood and had had so much fun 
with all the people, the, 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 the content creators that made those. Um, there's John Murdy, who uh, was in charge here in Hollywood, and then Michael Aiello and Orlando. And uh, they just really, you know, they brought that to life. And it was like to see everyone so happy. And having so much fun in those houses. I don't know if you got an opportunity to see any of them. I I've only seen video footage. Yeah. I unfortunately wasn't able to make it to any of those. Thanks for 4K. Thank you for 4K. Right, all right. Because <laughs> I've seen some 4K uh, footage on YouTube, and it was astounding. And I don't know if anyone did a, a virtual where you put an Oculus on, on your head oh, or like that. I'm not sure. That would have been if that exists that that's got to be awesome but um so i i wish i had something i can tell you from my perspective i uh have i've put together a live to film concert of the original film with an orchestra and that's all ready to go and so that's something that's being developed that idea that concept is being developed because i've already done it um and uh that'd be interesting to see uh, to 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 make that become a reality right yeah that would be really cool if you could do like uh like a u.s tour or something uh how about a world tour or world world, yeah the world needs (laughs) i always tell people you know keep creating something wonderful the world needs it so yeah I, i would love to i know in europe they're just dying for it (laughs) <laughs> just dying. Oh, yeah. Europe, it's a really big thing. Live to film uh, concerts are they're they're pretty they're popular here in the states, but in Europe, man, it's big. And there's a company called um, uh, uh, Cine Concerts that they've got the Harry Potter. Um, they have the Harry Potter movies that they take on tour. And when, obviously when they're not doing it now, but there was a time that there was a, <clears throat> there was a, uh, at any point in time, uh, a f- several months ago before all of the, uh, this, um, coronavirus thing came out, mm-hmm. there would be at least a f- half a dozen places in the world where one of the Harry Potter movies was being, was being, um, uh, exhibited with an orchestra, a fine and a fine orchestra, always a fine orchestra, the finest orchestras of wherever they would be, um, would be performing uh, the score. And uh, there's a variety. Cine concerts does a variety of uh, of other films um, uh, that they have in their uh, repertory. And there's also another place called Avix International. Uh, what I'm familiar with, Avix has done. They've take the, taken the uh, Terminator movie, and they've toured it with, um, uh, you know, a synthesizer group, which is really cool because the original composer put the book together for that. So when it comes, oh, wow. when they can start touring that again, that'd be great. It, it premiered in um, in England uh, several months ago. I think I think last summer. You know, just, wow. Totally honest. Uh, um, Brad Fidel. That would be awesome. Yeah, Brad Fidel was there. I think he even helped perform some of it. Yeah. So, oh, uh, and I, I had seen footage of it, and it's quite stunning. And um, and if I can plug my uh, SoundCloud, if you want to hear some examples of some of the music of my music played with an orchestra, 
uh, you can hear it on my SoundCloud. Oh uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, they, I did. I did a reimagined album of, and people people have told me, well, what's it? How come you did it with an orchestra? Because the music was originally conceived from a from a classical standpoint. It was just performed with great synthesizers. And don't get me wrong, I love playing. I love performing my music with synthesizers. I love working with um, synths and um, and electronica and all the different names it's being called. Um, but since the music's uh, the nature of the music is rather classical, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to perform it with an orchestra. And it's like they played through it so effortlessly. It was so wonderful to to hear that. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, talking about like uh, doing like the live performance during the movie, I uh, had a chance to check out Fabio Frizzi doing uh, a live score to The Beyond. Oh wow! And oh Where my gosh! Uh, well, I'm here in Iowa, and okay. he did some kind of world—not I want to say world tour, but he did like a North America tour. Cool. And I. Man, I got lucky that he's playing a venue like forty minutes away from me. And Isn't I was it a like, great oh experience? God. Isn't it a great experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I, saw... I loved it. Joe Laduca played one of the early um, Sam Raimi movies. I forgot which one, but it's basically a bunch of kids in a cabin, and uh, there's some spirit that comes alive. I forgot the name of it. It's one of Sam Raimi's famous Evil Dead. Evil Dead. And he played it with a with an or, with a small group of musicians. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And afterwards, uh, after it was so funny. Afterwards, I went up there to talk to Joe Laduca, and I was like, "How come you not? How come the stage isn't being raided by people congratulating? Because everyone everyone was like hightailing it out to the back because they were selling all kinds of collectibles. So everyone wanted to get their T-shirt. But anyways, I got to talk to Joe Laduca, and he, he just like. And I go, so, so Joe, you're going to take this on the road. You got it. He go, I'm, I'm, that's what we're working on, taking it on the road. Because that would be a fun movie. And it wasn't a very large orchestra. It was like about, probably about like 15 people. But it sounded great. It sounded absolutely sure. awesome. It was so exciting to, to hear, you know, you're watching the, imagine this, you're watching the film. Well, you were there. You saw one. Uh, what yeah. You, yeah. The Beyond. The Beyond. So, okay, so for your audience, imagine you're watching the movie. You're hearing the dialogue and sound effect come from the movie screen. But then the music is, like, surrounding you. And it's yes. being performed live. You know, it's just, oh, man. Let me tell you, I, I performed my own music that way, and it's, it's quite an experience. It's really yeah. awesome. It, it, really, it really enhances the, the viewing of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've seen the movie a bunch of times, it really, it almost feels like you're watching the movie for the first time because you're feeling the music. Yeah, yeah. The air is vibrating in a different way than yeah. from the speaker. Right, right. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And, you know, with uh, with his set, once, uh, you know, because they played the movie in its entirety with the soundtrack. And then afterwards, he did a set of uh, Frizzy to Fulci where they kind of, did a lot of um you know the more notable songs that he's composed for Fulci's films right so like zombie um oh 
even the new Puppet Master movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, like City of the Living Dead, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of a bunch of his more notable stuff. And I, man, it was it was like surreal to be able to to, to see and hear all that live. I lo- I love all the scores to the Gallo movies because they're so p- cranked up. This the mo- the scores are just like so like. In your face, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it, it and it, like for me being a horror fan, and I think I can speak for a lot of horror fans. Like mm-hmm. we love stuff like that. Like I'm surprised that we don't see uh, more um, composing and uh, to the films live. Right, right. Well, let me tell you, you can see that. You can. You just have to ask. The audience uh-huh. has to ask for it. That's all they have to do. I mean, yeah. let's face it. Um, you, you know, people. What people don't really realize with when Killer Clown. I know this because I talked to the actual um, creative directors. One of the the reason why Killer Clowns, in particular, I can't speak for any other brand. The reason why it came to Halloween Horror Nights in both Orlando and eventually in Hollywood is because the fans asked for it. You go on Twitter. Can you do Can you do a house for, or a scare zone for Killer Clowns? Well, you get like three or four or five years of that. Eventually, they're going to figure, okay, we have to do one. People want to see it. So if you want something, you have to ask for it. That's all. It's as simple as that. You know? Right. Uh, people ask me, how do we get a sequel? I go, well... You know, uh, go to the corporate site for MGM and say that you would appreciate uh, seeing a sequel of the movie, you know, and, uh, you know, will it happen immediately? Of course not. You know, uh, but uh, uh, if if there's a market for something that people want to see, it definitely uh, will come to pass. So I don't know if that makes sense. Right. Well, yeah, we would love to see a Killer Clowns from Outer Space uh, tour. Well, don't tell me I can if it. Oh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space tour. Sure, I'm going to do my best to do that. I, I'm working with the 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 right powers that be uh, to make that <clears throat> a reality, uh, all through the absolute right channels and working within the uh, the parameters that uh, uh that will be set down by me that down for me to follow um but uh as far as a, a movie is concerned I, unfortunately i don't have the power if it was up to me i mean if it was my intellectual property sure i'd be doing all sorts of uh <laughs> i'd be all doing all sorts of movies we, we it would be on episode 9 by this point by this time right well, okay, we'd be on the, we'd be on the Revenge of Shorty, Killer Clowns <laughs> from Outer Space. Shorty uh, takes uh, invades uh, invades the galaxy or something. I don't know. So, right. right. Anyways, um, okay. I think we were establishing that the intellectual property is owned by MGM, and it's their property. Um, as much as I would like to see something else happen with it. Um, as much as the Kyoto brothers would love to see something else happen with it, it's uh, it's not um, up to us to have that happen. 
And uh, <clears throat> sure, if it was up to me, we'd be on, uh, you know, the ninth, <laughs> the ninth right. movie in the series. You know, uh, we'd be at uh, Shorty's, uh, Shorty's uh, uh, epic adventure or something. I have no idea. Right. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. But so that's where that stands. I mean, if fans really um, want to voice their opinion about that, they should. Contact the studio that, you know, I mean, if you have opinions about Star Wars, people used to contact Lucasfilms. Now they contact 20th Century Fox. Same thing. You have to contact MGM. If you're interested in, some, if you're interested in something that a studio does, that, that they put out, and you have input uh, that you want to express, you, you contact them. And they have the means to uh, process all that data and that information and that feedback so right that, that would be my recommendation for sure yeah i see there's like a petition out there yeah fan <laughs> fans sent that to you and the, the you know what the cool thing is about that i checked into it it was really cool because it wasn't asking for any money or anything like that although there's, there's some kind of feature to donate to it but that's not the point um what was really accurate is that they had this very, um, um, uh, very legit link to uh, MGM corporate. I, I guess you know that's where you know that's oh, their wow. their basic contact uh, information that uh, you know I, that they manage somehow. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. And with uh, Killer Clowns now being on Netflix as like one of the most popular things on netflix mm -hmm. i wonder if you know netflix might contact mgm be like hey you know what's let's make something new for netflix sure that that would be wonderful i mean you know think of this we're we're in interesting times and uh people are seeking comfort with their device and consuming various media and uh they're not you know people don't have not everyone has to go to work every day so they're at home splurging on their favorite media and, and you know killer clowns is one of them which is really sweet i see all the instagram tweets of people watching it on netflix and they have their little home theater set up with all their comfort food in front of them and you see their their feet propped up on the coffee table and they're ready to enjoy it and um and i participated in the listening party i think we're gonna have a couple of more i think i'm gonna i'm gonna host a listening party i was a guest on uh, a listening party and the very first night i had like um i thought it was going to be just a half hour chit chat with people but so many people on instagram and facebook and on youtube so i was on three at one time oh wow which is really interesting because uh youtube can work in concert with facebook on my computer and then i had off to the side here i'm pointing off i had a little tripod with the phone and I was able to look at all, everyone, and they all had uh, something to say. And we went on for three hours and twenty minutes. Three hours Holy and twenty crap. minutes. And you know, I'm not hearing anyone's voice, so I figure it's on my YouTube channel. So I, f I just repeat the question. I go, oh, uh, uh, horror fan five nine seven asked me this question. Oh, I'll tell you how I did that. And oh, also, I had people submit questions beforehand. So I was able to do that. I took that uh, that clue 
that cue, that technique, excuse me, I took that technique from Dead Meat James. He, if they have a guest, they say, we're going to have so-and-so as a guest. If you have any questions for them, you know, uh, list them now and we'll address them as part of the show. So that made things go smooth because I could, I did like a little bit of research and prepared uh, stories. And people asked me really uh, bizarre questions like they had heard a rumor that... Um, I almost, uh, I mean, I don't know if I've talked to you. I think I talked about it several days ago. They heard a rumor that when I was in college, I almost got um, uh, expelled for falling asleep in my music history class. <laughs> and, and I said, well, that's kind of inaccurate because I didn't fall. I didn't get expelled for falling asleep in my music history class. I got almost expelled for falling asleep while being admonished for falling asleep. So while the professor was chewing me out for falling asleep, I fell asleep while she was talking to me. So it didn't, <laughs> didn't look too well. But I, I luckily I didn't get expelled. I got a very, very, very stern warning, but it was almost like something out of Animal House. <laughs> Going to see Dean Wormer kind of thing. Isn't it amazing how like rumors or whatnot can get all twisted? Oh yeah, I mean the other tr rumor is, um, oh what was it? Oh, 20th Century Fox was set up to do it. Then when Disney bought 20th Century Fox, they completely shut down the Killer Clowns from Outer Space thing. Mm -hmm. And like all this time, 20th Century Fox has nothing to do with Killer Clowns. It's MGM. So, um, however, if that was you know, it'd be interesting if Disney had something to do with it. I'm sure that would be interesting. So that's all I can sure. say. Yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of rumors that start start out um, that people just keep repeating, and they just like think, well, that's real. That's really what happened. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a few other things that. Um, oh, it's like. Um, well, this wasn't a rumor. This is something I told to someone, and they actually accurately put it. I think they put it on IMDb, whereas uh, I think uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. I'd done the trailer music for that, and uh, they totally didn't like what I did. And basically, they were looking for something that would have worked. But everyone was doing. Excuse me, I'm scratching my nose. Shouldn't be touching your face. But my my hands are clean and my. I just have this dry, it's dry all of a sudden here in California. Um, mm -hmm. and now I'm getting the itches. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so for Friday the 16th, part six, they didn't like what I did because they just didn't understand it. They didn't understand where the hell I was coming from. But they wanted to do something. I, I'm not going to go into detail, but everything that when they described to me what they were going through and they were in the studio with me, like saying we want this instrument here and that instrument here here and I said and I said guys it's what is it 1986 1987 that's that's all 1979 stuff I mean you know you you really want to go there you know and so mm -hmm. they basically yeah yeah that's what you want and so I I just did it because it's sometimes this is like it's a job sometimes you have to do what they say mm -hmm. so anyways that music was used as like there's this music <clears throat> like when just before you see clownzilla and all the clowns are 
coming up and, and chasing um, Mike and Debbie and um, uh, Dave up this uh, kind of like a podium kind of thing, kind of like a uh, um, I know, some kind of structure, and they're cornered before Clownzilla comes out. So that music there was originally for the trailer for um, Friday the 13th Part 6. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to line that music back up again. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, YouTube can be pretty creative. That'd be funny if someone could kind of that'd be cool that if up. Someone else did it. I, I can't do everything. Right, right. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm working on a project. Just like moments before we went online, I'm still tweaking something that I'm trying to finish for uh, another project. So... Uh, yeah, there's, that that would be fun if someone, some creative person, can find the trailer to um, uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, and the the piece of music I think it's called Clowns Converge. It's on the original soundtrack album, so that would be fun. And I re I re recorded it, but at a different tempo, and I added different instruments, and I extended it a bit on the reimagined soundtrack. Okay, so go with your first question. Okay, so uh, my next question is, have you ever been approached to do music for any other horror film besides Killer Clowns? Uh, yeah, they're always in de- they always seem to be in development. And sometimes things get made and sometimes things don't, and I never kept track of them. All I know is, is, will you be available to do this movie? Okay, great. When you're ready. Oh, we haven't started shooting it yet. Usually, which is usually several months to a year out before they're they're ready for me. Um, I did something. I think it's a horror film. A horror, another horror comedy it was called Cherokee Creek, which was about Bigfoot. Um, I'm trying to think of another. I'd have to go through my IMDb actually, but. Um, but yeah, there's uh, several, you know, the way the media industry is this day, these days, sometimes a call, sometimes, sometimes directors just, they, they need a composer. So they feel if they put something up on a message, message board and get a response by a hundred people, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's things like that that happen that I have no idea. There, there, I, I, I have like IMDb Pro that lists new projects, and sometimes when I see something I like, I submit for it. But um, I mean, here's a really geek out nerdy thing: if when I make a movie, uh, me myself, when I produce a movie, I don't think I could go to a message board and say, "Oh, I need a, a really cool cinematographer that can shoot my epic." Um, uh, uh, epic historical drama that takes place in the desert. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that. No, I would look at a ton of movies and I would say that cinematographer's got a great eye. I need that cinematographer. I want to see if that cinematographer is available. Same thing with the director. You know, I said well, I need a director to direct my script. Uh, that's like saying I need a. Uh, a five-star award-winning chef to cook my meal. Well, which one do you want? You know, uh, that kind of thing. Um, same thing with a composer. I mean, it's like basically you listen to movies and you listen to music scores and you go, you know, that would work. I, I like the sound of this. Or I like 
whatever all the things that happen in a particular movie and i want i want that entire creative team that worked it i want the editor i want the um um you know cinematographer i want the lighting people i want the makeup artist I, I, you know what i mean you would right that's the way i would approach it i don't understand i still don't understand filmmakers that put out a call i can see if you're looking for someone like even a location manager a location manager has to be a very savvy person that knows all the real estate ins and outs of a city or location so that he can get the proper he or she can get the proper permits for you to shoot your film there i mean that's still something you just don't you know um but i i know making movies are is tough making movies are is really tough if you can write i i i still i say this like a broken record if you can write a competent script and get it produced competently and it's completed I mean, maybe it's not the world. It maybe didn't turn out as perfect as you wanted it to. If you can turn, if you can finish it competently, that's a huge um, accomplishment. It really is. And then where you separate uh, the uh, <clears throat> those minor leagues from the major leagues is those people, those people that can do it competently, but yet create magic moments. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. Um, that was a long answer to a simple question. Yeah, there's <laughs> lot, lots of things that I get considered for. Uh, sometimes I never hear from them. Sometimes I do. Um, so, there's that. You were saying something about a subgenre. Oh, uh, um, what are some of your favorite horror films? And then, what's your favorite subgenre? Um, well, I. Uh, I love. I don't know if it's a subgenre. Like, sci- give me an example of subgenre because I like science like, fiction. Like I okay. I I think I saw a subgenre film the other day. It was called Melancholia. It was two and a half hours long. It was a mm-hmm. uh, narrative drama about two two conflicted sisters. They were uh, have a very strained relationship. One of them got, dives into a deep depression. And this is all going on while a uh, rogue planet is about to hit the planet Earth. But the um, focus is not so much on the science fiction aspect. It's on the relationship of these two sisters and how they deal with the inevitable that their lives are going to come to an end and there's nothing that they can do about it. And the, the sister that is more depressed than the other sister, the one that has actually melancholy, she accepts it. She's inviting it, waiting for it, and they calmly await. And, if, you know, spoiler alert, the planet crashes into the Earth and everything comes to an end. I thought it was an interesting subdrama because it was, I, I think I saw it on Netflix, and it was under science fiction. Oh, wow. I, I don't figure. And the whole movie was, was scored with... Uh, um, uh, uh, Richard Wagner's Tristan und Zolda, which is one of his uh, big operas, and it was to me it was fascinating. Uh, but I guess that would be a sub subgenre, sci-fi narrative drama, chick flick. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you would call it, but it was it was great film. It's definitely like an art house film. So, um, oh, for and sure. Quentin Tarantino, every. 
everything. I can watch every one of his movies at least two or three times over a period of not like in a. I don't know if I could sit down and watch them back to back, but any name any one of his movies, I can. I have no problem watching it again. It's like almost like a default. Oh, you know, I'll watch Brother Tarantino's one of his flicks, <laughs> and they right. always deliver. There's just there's levels of detail and subtlety and you, you always pick up something new every time you see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's a good filmmaker for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I guess possibly my last question, um, uh-huh. what are, what are some films that you would love to re recreate the score for? Hmm. Well, I, I hate to take over your show, but, Aren't you going to ask me what are my favorite YouTube channels? What do I like to watch on YouTube? Yeah, what do you like to watch on YouTube? My favorite one is MRE uh, review videos. MRE is meal meals ready to eat. It's like in in, uh-huh. in the service. I don't know if you've ever been to service, but it, you know it depends on where you go. They'll they'll issue a pack of a meal ready to eat unless they can provide one for you. And there's there are guys that review the uh, current uh, meals ready to eat and ones from like World War One, World War Two, they'll actually collect and trade them, oh, and they'll wow. sit there, they'll sit there and open them up and prepare the meal and eat it and give you a review. I you know like this this uh, oh you know this instant coffee is like sixty years old but it's held up really <laughs> rather well. To me, that's fascinating viewing. So, anyway, so let's go back. What movies I would like to rescore? Is that was the question? Yeah, or like uh, reimagine, kind of like what you do with Killer Clowns. Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Okay, Um, okay. Ice. I went to. I had seen it for the first time in a in a big movie theater, just about a year ago, and. it was uh, directed by Stuart Gordon, one of his favorite famous films. Richard Band did the music score for it. Uh, Reanimator. Reanimator, a brilliant, brilliant film, and uh, it's you know it was directed and shot like a stage play. That's why it's so it works so well. Every every set is like uh, you're a stay you're 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 at a theater watching a play. And that's where, and and it's very theatrical, and the and the uh, the actors are, are are exquisite. They're directing exquisite. Music is by Richard Band, and he wants to re-record it and perform it live. To th- so I would love to see that. I don't. I I've had conversations with him where I, I said I'll help you put it on. I'll give you you know I'll be give you some advice because I've done it. You know, and it was is going to be. I think it's going to be his first time doing a live to film thing uh but i don't want to rewrite his music you know I, I just want to i wanted to help out maybe um right. with, with the machinations of getting it done um i can't think of anything right off the bat i mean people are already doing that there's there's um uh the cine concerts is realizing all sorts of uh films uh there, i don't know if they're going for uh for horror films specifically, I don't think that's on their agenda. But uh, Avix International is doing uh, Terminator, for sure. Mm. But not many people are targeting horror genre 
for live to film concerts. So, um, so that would be uh, that would be something interesting to see. Right. Yeah. I uh, I would love to see a live recreation of uh, Reanimator soundtrack with the movie. That would be really yeah. cool. It really would, would because they, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they did restore the actual film itself, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite '80s horror films. I, I hate to get off subject, but can I make a, a, a recommendation? Uh, not a recommendation, excuse me, an observation. Sure. Are you being held hostage somewhere? <laughs> no. Um... This I'm seeing taped up walls. I mean, it's cool. let me tell yeah. you, it is it is super cool, you know. But I'm just curious. Putting a picture up in the background just to make uh, it a little artsy, but uh, this this room's getting remodeled where I'm in. Oh, I see. I see. Kind of reminds me of my, I I went to visit my high school buddy, and he had a <clears throat> this old old garage that like smelled like. A hundred years of metal shaving. It was like his grandfather was a metal shop worker, and so he used to take some of his work home. His, fa- his grandfather was um, a tool sharpener and a tool refashioner. So if a tool needed to be, you know, reground down, whatever it was, he had all the equipment there. So it still had that combination of dust, gun oil, and metal shavings. Oh, and like probably a hundred years of cigarette smoking, mm. you know, the thing. It was just like, just weird. so it's like that, your, your, your place kind of, looked, and it was a cool place to, and it's full of guitar amps. <laughs> now it's full of guitar amps. But he left, he says, I just want to leave. I didn't want to do anything to this room because it reminds me of my grandpa. But anyways, but that's a cool place. I think, I think if I had a man cave, it would look like yours. It would look like that. <laughs> well, I, uh. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but we're sort of in the, in the process of moving. Oh. And so the whole one side of my wall, I had nothing but like uh, like 10 shelves of VHS tapes. Wow. So like I actually had this place looking pretty cool. Wow. But now like we're sort of in the middle of moving and mm-hmm. it's like uh, I had to take everything down. Right. Uh, my other... Um, um... Um, favorite YouTube channel is Screen Rant. They're really good. Mm-mm, never heard of that one. With uh, Ryan, I forgot the guy's name. That's the he's one of the main people. Yeah, check out Screen Rant. It's great because they do uh, they do mock uh, pitch meetings of movies, and so the way he reviews the movie is mm-hmm. like if he and he plays himself on opposite sides of the screen where he's giving a pitch to a movie executive about a movie and in that if you can imagine in that pitch there's all the questions and um uh, issues you would have with a movie that would be worked out in that pitch meeting and it's really funny so check it out screen screen rant so it has just about every any one of your favorite movies there's there's a pitch meeting for it it's pretty pretty cool. I'm, I'm hoping they're going to do one for Killer Clowns from Outer Space one day. So, heck yeah, yeah. Is so, there anything that you would like to plug in where uh, fans could find your work or oh, merchandise okay. or anything? All right. Um, I mean, if you're looking for goodies, I do have some. 
uh, I do sell the reimagined soundtrack album with a bunch of free swag comes with it and everything comes signed you can go to um, eBay and my eBay name is really kind of bizarre it's called Wosat Man so it's W O S A T M A N and uh, you'll see at the bottom of the screen right here <laughs> or in the comments yep. below you'll see a link and uh, there's a bunch of other stuff too. There's a there's a uh, another movie I did that I did a vinyl pressing of. It's called The Wizard of Speed and Time, and that's what Wosat Man is, w Wizard of Speed and Time. So um, there's that. Uh, you could there's always always really cool updates on Instagram, and ob Instagram is my favorite. Um, and there's some on Twitter, and the rest is on. Uh, uh, Facebook, but I'm not on, uh, you know, on it just about th those are the three main ones that you can get uh, in contact with me. And if you have any questions or anything like that uh, regarding anything, you be free. You know, if you have a if you did a different music version of Killer Clowns or if you have some really cool piece of artwork or a sculpture or your cosplay or something like that, please send it to me because I always share it in my story. Awesome. Very good, sir. Got it, man. Well, thank you, Marcus. Right, well, it's really cool hanging out with you. One one day we'll we'll probably run into each other at a convention or something like that after the oh, apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe I'll see you doing a a live show. Uh that would be the best the thing. And you, we'll get you a good seat. Awesome. Okay. Thank man. you so much for coming on here, John. You got it. Take care. Bye. Well, that about wraps up this killer episode. I just want to say a big thanks to John Masari for coming on the show and discussing horror and killer clowns. This was a lot of fun to do. So thank you so much, John. This is an honor having you, and hopefully we'll have you back on at some point and talk about some future projects you work on. Um, I want to thank the fans for listening and watching you can uh, watch some new episodes and listen to new episodes on our new YouTube channel, as well as the usual where you can find podcasts like Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so forth. So thank you guys so much. Also check out John's merchandise on eBay under the seller Wosat Man, where he sells Killer Clown swag is also uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space reimagined album uh, it's incredible I just ordered one from him so hopefully I should be getting them in the mail any day now and uh, also go follow him on Instagram at john.masari and as I end this episode I just wanted to mention Wake Brewing in Rock Island Illinois is still open-ish uh, you can pre-order cans to go on uh, their Instagram and Facebook account. Send them a message and pre-order some cans to go. And their pickup window is Saturdays 
from noon to 3 p.m. Um, I just got some some delicious beer from them recently. They hooked me up with some Hex, which is a pale ale, and their new Electric Dust, which is a Belgium IPA. Both are delicious beers. And uh, also wanted to mention that they hand can each of their beers one by one. So uh, this kind of shows you how much uh, craft and hard work is put into making it to where you're getting delicious cans to go. So also wanted to mention Midwest Monster Fest is a horror convention based in the Midwest. Uh, they're going to be coming back September 5th and 6th at the Rust Belt in East Moline. Uh, they've got tons of guests. I, I can't name them all, but uh, some of the bigger names are C.J. Graham, Tom Matthews, Linnea Quigley, and uh, Tamara Glenn. And then they just announced Justin Markson, who played the clown in the new Haunt movie that was... Uh, made by uh, the guys who brought you a quiet place so that was kind of a a cool announcee you know i thought it was pretty cool uh, you know all the guest announcements are, are awesome i just uh, there's so many people to, to name off so go check them out on midwestmonsterfest.com you can see the full list and uh all the events and uh and uh Tons of vendors, gonna probably be like 80 plus vendors. Uh, it's this is insane. You can buy tickets now, and uh, that way you don't have to to worry about it. Buy your tickets now, and come September, you're ready. Uh, so yes, uh, MidwestMonsterFest.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram, and as well as Wake Brewing. You can find them at WakeBrewing.com and find them on Facebook and Instagram at Wake Brewing. That about does it for me. You can find me at Root Horror Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and email me at rootehorror at gmail.com if you want. On that note, later. <laughs>